Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Well, good morning. My name is Wes, one of the pastors here at North as well. Thank you, uh, Brent, for that. Um, thanks for joining us online this morning and in person. If you, I want you to raise your hand if you are a Cardinal Footballs fan. Okay, I too am a Cardinal Footballs fan. Uh, raise your hand if before you're a Cardinal Footballs fan, you're actually a Kansas City Chiefs fan because you were born there. there. There we go. There's. Now, raise your hand. If you root for a team that last Sunday, at the end of the game, when it was fourth and five, instead of going for on fourth down, you tried a record-breaking 64-yard field goal and missed. But on Monday. That's right. So Sam, you, Jay, Jay, is that, is that your, your team, Broncos? Monday. It was on Monday. Burn. Sorry, I, I, I couldn't resist, but the Chiefs won, so. Well, today we're continuing in a series uh, called the, the Flourishing Church, or the Church That Flourishes. It's based on God's words that we find in Jeremiah 29. And of course, God gives these words to Jeremiah uh, to give to God's people as they are out of Jerusalem. They're in Babylonia, and they are in captivity. They are exiles. And God gives these words to them, this challenge them. They're literally, God's people are literally in a different context, a different culture that is not their own. And God calls them to flourish, not only flourish for themselves, but to flourish, help the people around them, their captives, flourish as well. It's a ridiculously high calling. And Jay addressed this last week about how we are being sent. We are sent into different areas of our life. And so he encouraged us to think about, pray about, consider what it means for us to be sent into the different areas of our life. And he gave this great illustration. I think it was a coach that he was, he was talking about where if there's someone who's significant or important in your life and they ask you to do a menial task, how important that menial task becomes to you because of the relationship, the significance, the importance of that other person. But when that important person asks you to do something not menial, but to do something important, how much more are we compelled to do that significant thing? And that's what God is doing here. The God of his people and his significance asking his people to do something important. And we were challenged to think about last week, if I'm sent into my family, what does that mean to help them flourish? If I'm sent into my workplace, what does that mean for me as being sent by God and into my grocery store, into my community, into all the areas of our life. Now today the message is sim similar to last week with an additional consideration about what it means for us to be sent to the nations of the world, not just our local influence. And once a month we, we do what's called uh, North Influencers and we highlight um, a person or a group of people who influence or have impact within our church or outside of our church. And I want to highlight our North Influencers this week is, is our missions and outreach team. It's a great looking group right there. Of course, you got Adam and Elise Harding, you got Dana Hallman, uh, Sharon Hoshawara, Greg Rickert, myself, Dan Burmaster, Rick Custer, Mitch Belinsky, the Plums, and Randy Heller was up there. He served for many years and he's serving in a different area of the church now. I need to update our photo. But these folks right here give up at least 
one afternoon every month for us to sit down, pray over, pour over, discuss the ways in which we see the Holy Spirit moving in our church congregation so we can get behind those things. They're the first to sign up to financially give. They're the first to go on trips. They're the first to support people to go on trips. They're the first people to pray. And they have to make difficult decisions sometimes in regards to who we fund and support and who we don't and the reasons why behind that. They take very seriously the message and vision of North, that we are to love God, love one another, and love the world. So let's give it up for our North influencers. You'll hear, hear a little bit more later about the things that they're involved with and we're involved with here at North. But we're, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to open up God's word. God, I thank you uh, for this moment um, that we get to open up your word. We get to let iron sharpen iron. We get to discuss the matters that your spirit presses on each of us as individuals as well as a local church body. So we thank you again for this morning. In your name, amen. Uh, today's message is called The Church That Is Sent to the Nations. The Church That Is Sent to the Nations. Let's read Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters multiply there and do not decrease but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find welfare or flourishing it's not an easy thing what God is asking his people to do he's literally saying to his people, uh, I not only allowed you to be taken out of Jerusalem and now you're in Babylon, like I'm taking credit for it. And oh, also, I'm going to ask you to help the people who took you there out of your own land to, to help them to flourish, to pray and act and help them to flourish. What a crazy calling God gives to his people. Now, these people are foreigners in a strange land. And I wonder how they were received. How do you think these Israelites were received when they arrived in, in Babylon? Do you think the people around them, the dominant culture, were like, hey, everybody, we should welcome them. Let's, let's treat them fairly. Let's give them opportunities to thrive and to flourish. Let's treat them humanely. In fact, we know that's not how they were received. And yet, God calls them to help those people flourish. And in that flourishing, we'll come back to them. So let's turn this around the other way. Let's pretend you're a Babylonian. You're in Babylon. You are the dominant culture. You, you have all the authority and power and blessings that come with that. And you come to a, a saving knowledge and a, you begin this relationship with the Father in heaven. What do you think the message would be to the people of Babylon. Do you think God is like, you know what? The Israelites' calling is to help you flourish. You just sit back and relax. Enjoy them flourishing you. No, that's not what God would say. 
He would say, hey, you now have a, a faith in me. You, you, you and I have this relationship. You are called to help them flourish. In fact, he did this with God's people earlier. When the Israelites were in Jerusalem and as the dominant culture, he said, when you, you, know, when, when you flourish, you should also provide for the poor, the foreigner, the outcast. He even said so much as a command. He said in Leviticus 23, 22, and when you reap your harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner or foreigner. And then he reminds them when he gives this command to not use all of their harvest so, just so it can be given to the poor and the foreigner. It reminds them, I am the Lord your God. God felt so strongly that his people, while they were in the dominant culture, should take care of the, the poor and the foreigner, that when they did not do that, he punished them. Regardless of our status in our culture, we were to help people flourish. I took a class in college on different ways and approaches that, that different ministries and churches tried to meet the needs of their city. Okay, the class was called Ministry in its Social Context. And so we, we studied different things, and we actually took a trip from Ohio, where my college was, and we went to Washington, D.C. to observe specifically different churches and ministries that were trying to meet the needs and help their city flourish, specifically for the homeless and the people that lived on the streets. And there were many different approaches, uh, some of which I disagreed with, some of which I were like, I, I don't know about that, and some I like, really loved. One church uh, chose to give out sterile needles to drug users, clean needles to drug users, because they felt it was better for them in the long run. They know they're going to do drugs anyway. So instead of using a dirty needle and for more risk, we're actually going to provide them with sterile needles. Okay. One church offered food to the homeless, but in order for them to get that meal, they had to attend about an hour-long church service before they got that food. One, one ministry had a facility, and they would allow people to stay there for three days. And while they were there for those three days, they tried to help them get an ID, take care of medical care, you know, a dentist, a haircut, clothing, try to get them temporary jobs. And we looked at several other ministries and churches as well. And as different as all of these ministries were, and they were very different, they had one thing in common. They were all taking action to help their city flourish. Each one of them had their desire to help the city flourish, and they developed systems and put things in motion. They acted upon it. In that class, we read a book called Who is My Neighbor? Of course, the conclusion of this book is that everyone is our neighbor. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now one of the activities we actually did in this class, this was a J-term class. It was just the month of January, and it was cold. Okay, It was snowy. One of the things we did in this class was that we spent 24 hours on the streets of Washington, D.C., homeless. 
Okay, we tried to dress the part. We tried to look the part the best we could. Uh, we, you know, some of us didn't take showers for a week, which was really fun. We tried to look as, you know, street hard as possible uh, for, that, for that thing because we were going to be on the streets for 24 hours just trying to catch a small glimpse of what it felt like to live on the streets or to be homeless. And so I had hair at that time. Um, and so this is similar to what my hair looked like uh, whilst that, that day was, was going on. It was actually longer than that at, that at that point. That's courtesy of Adam Harding. Thank you for saving that picture of my ID. I appreciate it. <clears throat> so they, what they did is about 3 o'clock in the morning, they took us in a van and they dropped us off somewhere in Washington, D.C. And 24 hours later, we were to meet at the Washington Monument and we'd go back to the place we were staying. We weren't allowed to have a phone. We weren't allowed to have money. And we were to just try and see what it felt like to be on the streets that day. One thing I realized that day was how long the day felt. It just felt long. Sitting on a park bench or meandering around the city, not really anything to do except try and survive and think your own thoughts. Another thing I realized that day is the looks that people gave me. Hardly anyone looked me in the eye for whatever reason. There's reasons to not look someone in the eye, but there are reasons, social context, where you would, you would look and you, know, you just kind of give a nod. I got like none of that. In fact, walking on the sidewalk at one point, a mom and child crossed the street and then came back when, once they were past me just because they didn't want to be walking on the same sidewalk. Not even the dignity to just kind of acknowledge. I also realized that it's hard to find a place to go to the restroom because unless you're a paying customer, a lot of places don't want you in their facility. McDonald's was actually a pretty homeless, friendly place. It was warm. It was snowing that day. Until, you know, at some point they would ask you to leave if you weren't purchasing anything. I ended up passing by one of the food ministries that we had visited a few days prior. And I was like, hey, I recognize that building. I'm going to go in here and get a meal. It was around lunchtime. And I stood in line for about an hour or so. And, and then I got some food that, that was the only thing I ate for that 24 hours. And they did give me another water bottle. I took that with me. I was grateful for that. So why do I tell you this? Another observation I made during that 24 hours on the street was I was immediately a part of a community that wanted me to flourish. The folks living on the street, homeless, immediately saw me as one of them, or at least the ones that bought my disguise. And as I was standing in line for that meal, people would look me in the eye. They would have a conversation with me, talk to me, ask how I was doing. I had two different people on two different occasions actually approach me. I didn't have gloves on. One person looked, and they looked like they were on the streets, tried to give me a pair of gloves, of which I thought was a nice gesture, very generous, thoughtful. I de declined and said thank you. And the other person, after I made a really dumb decision, so um, there were these steam vents that you know, push up hot air. And so I stood on one for a while because it was warm but then I was soaked 
when I, once I left the steam vent, I was like wet and, and in the cold. I was like, oh, that was dumb. So don't do that, by the way. One person after that, I was in the park, and uh, I was actually laying down on the ground, and someone came up to me. It looked like they you know, also lived on the streets, and they were actually pulling the gloves off their own hand to give to me. And of course, I declined and was gracious. The homeless people were looking for a way to help the other homeless flourish. And we are to apply being sent not only into our families and into our grocery stores and into our workplaces, but also a call of action to the nations. Jesus says this in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said this, and not too long after, Jesus has a drop-the-mic moment just before he ascends into heaven. He says this in Acts 1.8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ascends into heaven. I would argue that every person who follows Jesus has a responsibility to their local community, to their families, as well as the rest of the world. Somehow and in some way, every one of us who follow Jesus has to always be considering what it means to reach the nations. As the Apostle Paul, and of course we learned last week, that apostle means sent one. So sent one Paul cared a lot about this. And as he was talking in 1 Corinthians 10 about how we build others up, he says this, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. And then a few verses later, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 11, Paul sent one, Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And what are we to imitate about the sent one, Paul? Well, there's a lot of things, but there's something we have to imitate about Paul. Take a look at this map of where Paul went on his journeys to share the gospel, to reach the nations, and to help them flourish. This is the guy that says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So this has to be on our radar 24-7. Now there's this idea that in this passage in Jeremiah that when we help those flourish around us, that, it, that flourishing comes back on us. And I've seen this personally in my own life. About 15 years ago, um, my wife and I had the awesome opportunity to go to Tanzania uh, in the Maasai village in Myroa. And we got a chance to bring our eight-year-old daughter uh, on that trip to meet our sponsor child, Nolan Basai, was her name. Meet her family, uh, see her boma or her mud hut, if you will, and the 10 by 10 spot on the dirt that their whole family lived with the chickens and goats. It was a ridiculously humbling experience. Ridiculously humbling. 
And as we were in this village, we were told that there had never been a young girl, a young white girl in that village before. And it seemed to be true because everywhere Cassidy went, here's a picture of us meeting Nolan Basai in her arms there. Please disregard the big oaf in the tall right there with his hat on crooked. I don't know. Thank you for marrying me and staying with me, Kristen. <laughs> so this, the experience in this village was so that they, all the kids just wanted to touch her hair. They'd never, they'd never touched hair like that before. And when she would walk around in the village, she had 10 kids holding 10 fingers because they all wanted to hold her hand. And the experience that my daughter felt at age eight changed her life, changed the direction of her life. So much so that she's, she's pursued mission trips and all sorts of different, she's, she's pushing me out of my comfort zone to do things, to see the outcast, to see the foreigner, to really just love people who are different than myself. And 10 years after that, actually here's a picture of us, she begged me to go on a living water well drilling trip in Guatemala with her. Thrilled to do so. And to this day, her and her fiance have this on their brain, their mind, all the time, looking for ways to, to love the outcasts, to be generous, to help them flourish. And I believe it was birthed out of that trip. So what is your calling to be sent to the nations? And what ways are you helping them flourish? And how is that flourishing coming back on you? How have you pursued ways to reach the nations? Not just pray. We're not just to pray. We are to take action. It says in Jeremiah 29, 7, but seek the welfare of the city. That's action. Where I have sent you to exile and to pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. So in addition to prayer, we're told to act. So some of you may need to be missionaries in a foreign land. Some of you may need to start supporting financially one of North's missionaries or ministries. Some of you may already support, but you need to do so more sacrificially. Some of you may need to work with an organization that's not connected to North. Some of you may need to sign up for one of North's missions trips. Some of you may need to start supporting the kids at the children's home in Tanzania with the Ubiya ministry to the tune of a sponsorship. Okay, I'm gonna, I don't have a whole lot of extra money, but I can, I can give another $35 a month so that kid can eat, go to school, be taken care of. Some of you may need to go visit AT and Crystal Holder in Belize. Take that four-hour flight just to go be there, encourage them, laugh with them, play with their kids. They have three kids, and by the way, they're pregnant with their fourth while in another country serving and they actually just rescued, in the last couple weeks, three gals out of sex slavery. And they're beginning that restorative process and ministering to them. How much, how powerful would it be for you to go down there, see them, visit them, encourage them? Some of you may need to be a, a sponsor for a soccer team with Fuel the Mission in India. 
Because what these soccer teams do is it gives a Christian coach the opportunity to not only provide soccer skills and be in competition, but then also share the gospel. The gospel is flourishing in that ministry. Some of you may need to reach out to the Wilgens, become pen pals with their kids, send, send the kids gifts as they minister in Namibia, Africa. Some of you may need to do what Brent asked you to do and go out to the table in the lobby to support the Guatemala well drilling trip we have coming up. Whether that's toothbrushes, whatever it is. Talk to Gary Crawford. He'll, he'll put the press on you in the lobby today. Some of you may need to go on our trip across the border into Mexico and join with one mission, Christian organization, and build a home for a family. We're actually going in March 2023. And if we get enough people, we can build two houses. If we get enough people, we can build three houses. Maybe you need to go on that trip. There happens to be a sign-up at guest services. But all of us need to consider what it means to be sent into the nations. Take action steps going forward. And if you don't know what to do, talk with me. Talk with one of our staff elders. We, there's, a lot, there's a lot to be a part of. So as a church, we are to be sent into our families, our local communities, as well as around the world. Please consider how you may be a part of that. Let me pray. God, I thank you that because of your significance, because of who you are, when you give us a command, it holds weight and it holds power. And we want to respond to you. Even if we don't know where to start, just even saying yes in our own spirit right now to the call, even if we don't know what that looks like, that you would impress upon our hearts eventually what that is and give us the courage to step into it so we can help the nations of the world flourish, and in that flourishing, we would also flourish because of your spirit. That's all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.